Well, hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to the Team Performance Podcast. I'm Christian Napier, and I am joined by Spencer Horn, as always, uh, a friend, a mentor, an example. Uh, Spencer, it's a, it's a joy to be with you today. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to our conversation. You're always so kind and welcoming. I am so excited to be with you, and I'm excited to, to see you on Friday. Yeah, it's so funny that we live 20 minutes away from each other, <laughs> but we have to go to another state to actually meet in person for whatever reason. No, exactly. And so maybe we need we need to make sure we go out and have some some dinner in in uh, in Dallas or Fort Worth or somewhere. But uh, I'm I'm excited to see you. So, are you enjoying the snow as much as I am? Well, I'm enjoying shoveling it. I guess. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I will say that my snowblower uh, got some use this morning. Uh, there was a little bit more than I wanted to shovel by by hand, so I decided to break out the snowblower and give it a go. But uh, it's beautiful. Looks like we're going to have a white Christmas. Fingers crossed that the snow stays around till Christmas Day. Yeah, for sure. I Jana and I went up hiking in the in the hills last night. Just trudging in the powder was so beautiful and and refreshing. I absolutely uh, loved doing that. Well, that sounds amazing. I don't have any hills by my house. I just have, uh, you know, sidewalks, and it's pretty flat around here. So, but we did we did go for um, a bit of a drive downtown, uh, and we went uh, in Sugar House to a restaurant called uh, Volta Pizza or Pizza Volta, and it's a very Neapolitan style pizzas, beautiful crusts, and uh, yeah, it was it was really really delicious. Oh, so, I love that! I'm gonna have to check that out. And you uh, were burning and calories, and I was consuming <laughs> calories. Last I'm night. always, I'm trying to do both usually. So, well, I'm super excited for our topic today, Spencer. You wrote an article published on LinkedIn uh, that talked about strengths and weaknesses. A very, I, I, I don't mean this in a bad way, a provocative article, uh, maybe thought-provoking is a better way to describe it. And I'm really excited to discuss what you talked about in the article about strengths and weaknesses. So maybe you can just give us kind of a lead-in as to what prompted you write this article and what the central thesis of it is. Yeah, the, for sure. Thank you. You know, what, what prompted it is uh, just years of, of work with leaders and executives who are struggling to get the results with with teams and getting buy-in from their people and and frankly getting out of their own way in their business it just by how they behave and how they act and what they believe and then last week I was at a conference when I was just listening to another speaker and that's the speaker says listen when you work on uh, on your strengths, focus only on your strengths, not on your weaknesses, because that will pull up all of your weakness. And to me, that is, uh, that is, that is incorrect. It is, it is fallacious. And when we talk about strengths, I mean, I, I am a proponent of utilizing our strengths. We, we, we need to use the, the talents that, that we have been given. And I'm not talking about physical or mental attributes. Like, you know, I've got all these books. Uh, you know, here's, a, you know, Strengths Finder. Go put your strengths to work by Marcus Buckingham. No, go discover your strengths and strengths-based leadership. You know, I've got all of these. And, and I believe in utilizing our strengths. And I agree that when we use them, we, we get greater energy. 
But let me let me give you an example of how the argument is laid out in Strengths Finder, for example. In my article, I talk about some sports analogies about why that is uh, is fallacious. For, for example, if you play golf, you have a multiple of clubs, right? I mean, you've got your driver, you've got a couple different drivers. You've got a one, two, three uh, driver. Uh, then you've got all the way up to nine irons and, and putters and pitching wedges. Usually a golfer has a couple of clubs that they're strong at, right? I mean, some people may love the driving. Some people may be really good at putting. But if you're really good at driving, just working more on your driving skills, is that going to impact your your putting skills or pull your putting ability up? No. It may cover for the fact, I mean, if you if you can really get onto that green quickly, it may cover for the fact that you are poor at putting, but at some point, if you want to be a championship player, you got to work on your weakness, which is putting. That's what I'm. That's what I'm talking about. Now, I'm not talking about. Are you physically not a good candidate to be a golfer? <laughs> right. That's not what I'm talking about, because it, it, that's what that's what Strengths Finder here says. So, here's what they say in uh, Strengths Finder 2.0 by by Tom Rath. At its fundamentally flawed core. The aim of almost any learning program is to help us become what we are not. If you don't have the natural talent with numbers, you're still forced to spend time in that area to attain a degree. If you're not very empathetic, you get sent to a course designed to infuse empathy into your personality. From the cradle to the cubicle, we devote more time to our shortcomings than to our strengths. This is quite apparent in the way we create icons out of people who struggle to overcome a lack of natural talent. And he gives the example of Rudy Rudiger, who uh, a 23-year-old groundskeeper who wanted to play for Notre Dame and how he tried and tried and, and just had the, a great heart and he, he struggled. And finally, the last game of the last season, he was able to get on the, on the field and has become a, a, a hero. He just didn't have the the physical ability to be a, a football player on the scale of, of Notre Dame. I mean, that's not the kind of uh, of weakness we're we're talking about. But you know, he was invited to the White House to to uh, to talk to Bill Clinton and Colin Powell and Joe Montana. I'd say that was that's a pretty awesome outcome. But here's the misguided maxim that that they talk about: you can be anything you want if you just try hard enough. Now. I'm six foot seven, Christian, and so I'm pretty sure that I don't have what it takes to be a fighter pilot or a jockey. You know, at the, um, you know, a horse rider. I just, I, you know, I, I'm not going to show up at, at in Louisville at. Uh, why am I going blank? At the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> at the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> I'm not going to be riding anytime soon at the Kentucky Derby. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about our behaviors as leaders, our ability to strengthen the team performance, thoughts, observations. What do you think? Well, I, I find this really, really intriguing because uh, you're right. There are certain things that are beyond our control that you mean, you know, in some, in some cases, we're not a perfect fit. Like you said, you, you couldn't be a jockey uh, you don't have the physical build for that. Uh, 
And, you know, I certainly couldn't be uh, uh, a center in an NBA basketball team. I don't have the physical build for that. So I understand that point that, that, you know, hey, there's no sense really spending a lot of time and effort trying to become an NBA center if I don't have the attributes uh, innately that would allow me to become uh, an NBA center. I was reading somewhere that uh, 20% of, of, peop of uh, U.S. Uh, uh, citizens that are seven feet or taller have played professional basketball, right? Uh, because they have the physical attribute that allows them to do that. Right. Uh, and the and the great quote uh, from that legendary coach, Frank Layden, you can't teach height applies there. Right. <laughs> exactly. uh, because that's an innate uh, it's an innate attribute that is required in order to fill that certain role. But I understand that's not what you're talking about here. No. What you're talking about are behaviors uh, and behaviors are different than these kind of physical characteristics that we don't have any. Uh, we, we have no ability to, to overcome. Well, but so, so that's right. Let's focus on behaviors. However, when it comes to behaviors, Marcus Buckingham in his book, go put your strengths to work actually talks about what he calls our myths that, that he wants to, to bust. And the three myths that he says are number one, as you grow, your personality changes. So that's myth number one for him. And he says, the truth is, as you grow, you become more of who you already are. Well, for me, that's very scary because if I become more of who I already am, what if I'm a jerk? What if by nature I'm... I, I completely lack empathy, to, to, to quote Tom Rath, I don't care about my team. Uh, I only care about compliance. I am going to create some problems for myself and my team. And I see let me that. Give you a, let me give you a personal example yeah. here, yeah. Spencer. So uh, many years ago, I served uh, a mission for my church. And I had been in Mexico where I was serving for about seven or eight months and uh, in, in, in our church, we serve as a, a companionship, so two people. So, so me and another colleague. Uh, and you don't get to choose that companion. <laughs> right? And we don't get to choose that companion, which leads to all kind of interesting interpersonal dynamics. Yes. And, and one day, my companion pulled me aside and he said, why are you always yelling? Christian, I can never imagine you yelling. <laughs> now, here's the thing. I grew up in a household that was very loud. And in order to get any attention at all, I mean, you, 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 you spoke pretty much at the top of your lungs. I had no clue. I had no idea that I was doing this. It completely caught me off guard. Yeah, but that's a strength. And I'm like, and I would say, I'm not yelling. What are you talking about? And then I realized, you know what? I actually am. And so I made a concerted effort to actually change my tone of voice, which is hard, especially for someone who's 20 years old, you know, I, but I like, I've got to change this. I didn't realize that I was coming across as abrasive, that I was coming across yelling. And so I really worked on trying to change my tone of voice so that I didn't, I didn't speak that way. And I have to say, when I came home, 
uh, from Mexico, having not seen my family for two years, I was actually shocked at how they were speaking with each other because it was totally normal for them, but that I, I'd been out of that environment. But if this person hadn't said something to me, I never would have changed. You know, maybe I would still be a yeller today. I would be yelling at people all the time, not even knowing. But see, so, knowing your personality. Well, I disagree with the assertion that, uh, <laughs> you know, just be, just focus on becoming more of who you are. Because in, in this case, this it helped me become a better person. If this person hadn't said anything to me, and if I wasn't willing to make the change or listen to them. That relationship would have been very challenging. Been? Yeah. You know, so, so. I think we we do have the ability and the responsibility to identify weaknesses and work on them to the best of our ability. It doesn't mean that we'll be experts in something. You know, we don't. You you pointed out in the article Shaquille O'Neal, right? Struggling free throw shooter. Uh, he was one of the poorest free throw shooters in the league, and he improved incrementally. But one of the he most dominant centers of all shooter, time. Shooter. Yeah, he wasn't a. He never became a great free throw shooter, but he worked on that weakness to the point uh, so that it was no longer a real detriment to his team. And and uh, so I do think that we do bear a responsibility, particularly as leaders, to be a bit circumspect and humble and say, you know what, this is something that I can work on, and maybe I'm not going to become the expert at it. I'll never be, and I'll just say it flat out, I'll never be as good at sales as someone who's done sales for their entire career, but I need to have some level of skill in that area. Or you're uh, gonna struggle. Or, or, or I'm gonna struggle, right? So so I, I, I'm totally on board with what you're saying here, Spencer. Well, what, what they're saying is, is that you would just hire somebody to do those sales for you. And, and there's some truth to that, but you also have to understand the, the sales process to make sure that, that they're doing it the right way and that they're representing you the right way. You know, it, let me go back to this myth that Marcus Buckingham says, as you grow, your, uh, your personality changes. Um, I believe it can. And I, I personally believe it should. And, and so I want to address this, this myth. Um, his view is not unique. There was a, a gentleman by the name of Arnold Daniels, and this is a, a to me, it's a very interesting story. He was a bomber pilot uh, during World War II for the U.S. Army Air Corps. We did not have the Air Force during World War II. It was called the U.S. Army Air Corps. And at the time, the Army Air Corps had a problem quite often with pilots that were physically able, mentally astute. They had all the attributes to be a good pilot, but there were two types of pilots. There were bomber pilots and there were fighter pilots. And they found that sometimes there were uh, uh, fighter pilots that, that just didn't have that certain killer instinct. And they had spent all this time and energy in developing them as a, as a pilot. And they're like, well, we don't want to lose this, this investment. So Let's put them over to bomber uh, school and see what happens. And they find that they're patient and that they're focused and and they can fly for 10 hours and, you know, drop a bomb on a, a square yard, right? And that's, that's, that's their strength. And so they would put them over to 
bomber school. And likewise, there were there were fighters that were impatient. I mean, bombers, pilots that were impatient, and they put them over to fighter school, and they were aces. And so the the question was, can we identify bombers and fighters? utilizing their strengths so that when we identify them, we can save our investment and, and, and have the greatest success. That's really the philosophy of the strengths-based approach, which you know I, I, I agree with. However, when it becomes when it comes to behavior, it becomes problematic. Well Arnold Daniels went on went to Harvard. He 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 actually created the first psychometric assessment used in an industrial setting. He took what the Air Corps learned in World War II and, and created what's called the, the predictive index. Many of our listeners may have heard of that. It's really the granddaddy of all the, you know, the, the, the assessments. And it's good, and there's some better today. But the problem was is that in his mind, Christian, you are a bomber or a fighter, no question about it. You won't change. Very much similar to what Marcus Buckingham is saying in Go Find Your Your Strengths. And as a result, he started preaching that you need to have a certain profile to be an accountant, to be a uh, you know, a manager, to be a salesperson. And so companies started using, and this was this was early, I mean, in the early 50s started using his assessment. And then in 1954, the DISC came out and, and the DISC assessment, and people started using it saying, well, you have the wrong profile, quote-unquote profile, to be an accountant. You have the wrong, quote-unquote profile, to be a salesperson. And so they started firing people. And to me, that is a huge mistake. And so the you know EEOC had to get involved, the Equal Employment Opportunity uh, office had to start saying, listen, that's, that's discriminatory. There are people who may have great motivation. It's not like, you know, me wanting to play football for Notre Dame, but if, if I want to be an accountant and I have a sales profile, um, why would you stop me? If the, if the motivation is great enough, I can develop those, I can develop those strengths if I, if I choose to. And, and so they were, they were discriminating against people. And that mindset, I think, is very, uh, very damaging because it says, you know, you just, you are who you are and you will never change. Well, if that's true, why should I ever work on anything other than what I'm good at, what I love all the time? And what if what I'm good at is being a tyrant? <laughs> so <laughs> there was a person working for Arnold Daniels by the name of uh, Bruce Hubby, and he said, uh, Arnold, we, sh- we need to use this as a tool to help people identify their strengths for sure, maximize those strengths, but also help them to overcome some of those blind spots. Like you had a blind spot about how you were showing up. How can we help them and maybe make some minor tweaks that will have a huge impact? Maybe we could get somebody that's shooting 44% in their free throws and get them to 50%. Or fifty-five percent, not a ninety percent shooter, but maybe that that Achilles heel will become less glaring and less of a weakness that that your competitors or your enemies could exploit. Maybe we could have uh, a, a philosophy that people who want to to get better and give them a way to do that. Well, Arnold said, "Go pound sand," and so Bruce Hubby left, and he created his own company, and and it was a company that was certainly founded on on the idea of utilizing our strengths, but also helping us to identify 
what is holding us back. And so that's what I want to talk to you a little bit about today and, and give you some examples of those things that, that hold us back. Well, one of the things that I, that I want to come back to that you said in all of that is what if I want to? You know, it, it really comes down to making a choice. Yeah. I shouldn't be forced to do something that I'm not comfortable doing, but at the same time, I shouldn't be prevented from doing something that I am interested in doing, but perhaps I lack some knowledge and skill uh, to do, right? Not not talking about innate ability like height or, or those kind of things, but, but if I have a desire to do something, um, then I shouldn't be pigeonholed uh, into do, doing things that people think, you know, based on my profile that I'm going to be good at if I want to do something that might be construed as a bit outside the box. And so it really comes down to agency and whether I want to improve. Before we were talking, uh, or before we started the, the, the recording here, we were talking about, well, what if I'm a more natural consultant uh, and now I'm in a position of leadership, I'm leading a company, uh, I have a choice. I can either develop additional skills that I need in order to be a leader of an organization, or I can continue being a successful consultant. This is my decision, right? But it's up to me. And if I want to make a different choice, and I'm speaking here personal experience, this is what I've done, you know, after being a consultant for many years, uh, now going in and starting my own company and having to lead people, uh, I need to develop the skills that are required to do that. Am I willing to put in the time and the effort to develop those skills? That's really the central, the central question. Uh, and I realize that I have some weaknesses that I need to work on. And then am I ever going to be uh, the, the top salesperson in an organization? Probably not, but I need to develop enough knowledge and, and skill in that area so that at a minimum I can make informed decisions and I can understand uh, what my salespeople are doing. So I, I think, I think you really hit it uh, on the head there, Spencer, when you talk about, you know, what is it that I want to do? Right. Know? And so for me, I wanted to be a better husband. And, you know, I, my wife has very opposite personality traits from, from me. And I wanted to have a better relationship with her. And so I have worked on, very similar to you, on, on changing some of my behavioral patterns, working on my weaknesses so that I could better connect with her and have a deeper and stronger relationship so that she could feel, my, because, I, because I love her, that's my motivation, right? That's my desire. As a leader, I found that I was was having a, a challenge getting buy-in because I was more focused on compliance and and my idea of, of, of teamwork was everyone would just because I'm the the leader, everyone would just take my great ideas and 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 run with them. When I had to spend time actually listening to their concerns and helping them understand. Uh, or even getting their input and maybe adapting my approach. That, for me, was not natural. And so I struggled with uh, you know, getting buy-in early on in my career. So that's something that I had to, to work on. So one of the things that, that I do to help people, first of all, is to identify their strengths. These are areas that, you, that come natural to you that in terms of behavior, that can then be translated into into different roles, and and what's interesting is is that 
you know, what's the, I, I get people ask me all the time, what is, what's the best leadership profile? <laughs> uh, or when I give them an assessment, I say, okay, what's the bad news? You know, what's wrong with me? You know, people do worry about their weaknesses or, or the negative because I think there's a recognition that they're getting in their own way and they, and they want to, and so they, they, they think that, man, there's, there's gotta be something wrong with me. And my, my, my response is always no. I mean, let's, let's recognize your brilliance. And the wonderful thing is, is that each one of the, the major uh, uh, communication styles, and let, let's, you know, call the four cornerstone behavioral traits of dominance, extroversion, pace, conformity, uh, you know, those, and, and there's high or low of each of those, you know, some people have five traits and, and uh, but this this covers all of those those basic traits. Each of those styles, based on the strength that they have, will lead differently. But they can all be successful. There is no quote unquote you are a fighter or you are a bomber, and therefore you will be successful in this role. It is here are your strengths to apply in that role, and of those strengths, keep using those. But where are the the blind spots that are holding you back. So for example, someone that, that is high dominant, let me share with you, this is a, um, a kind of a questionnaire that a friend of mine by the name of John Henry Parker, he's brilliant at, 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 as a behavioral analyst. I'm, I learned so much from him over the years. He's worked some, with some incredible people, and including, uh, uh, oh my gosh, uh, uh, <laughs> Tony Robbins and 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 uh, and other uh, great thought leaders. So he came up with this, and I actually I helped him. He asked me for some input, and so I helped him come up with some of these these blocks to successful leadership and communication. So someone with with high traits like mine, for example, Christian, sometimes we take on too much responsibility, and we struggle delegating. We can intimidate others due to intensity level, just kind of like you were kind of loud. You know, that, that could be a problem. <laughs> but self-imposed tension, uh, the, the desire to control people, uh, demanding nature can, can divide people and teams. The intensity level can cause people to stop openly sharing their true thoughts and feelings. Inflexibility can per- be perceived as controlling, lower high uh, uh, uh unrealistic expectations of others, overly critical may wear people down, controlling versus empowering, focus on ruminating on problems, Uh, overactive and busy but lacking meaning and purpose, overly sensitive to being disrespected or embarrassed, this having this have to work hard mentality, thinking about what they want to say next instead of truly listening. Now, aren't some of those things problematic for for a person in leadership? position. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but so, yeah, but no that's, doubt. that's a high dominant person. Let's look at what, if you had low dominance, okay. Uh, being overly agreeable with forceful personalities could cause a problem, right? Or agreeable and easygoing nature can be taken advantage of. Deferring decisions to gather consensus can be perceived as indecisive as others. Deferring or not taking action sooner can create regret and resentment over time. Not speaking up when necessary, avoiding conflict to maintain a sense of calm. So that's kind of an, an opposite weakness. Oh, yeah, and I'm definitely more in the latter camp than the former, no doubt. Right, right. 
And, and so and, and then so you have three other traits that are both high or low. So high extroversion and low extroversion has a series of, of behaviors that are associated with that. High patience and, and low patience or impatience or high conformity and low conformity, they all have their Achilles heel. I was talking, uh, this was a couple of years ago, 2019 in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And I was, I was giving a keynote on this topic, there is an I in team, which is my version of you know, emotional intelligence and working on ourselves, right? Working on the I to be a better team member. And after I spoke, one of the uh, participants in the audience came up to me and she said, um, I want to I talk to you. She says, I'm, I'm originally from Serbia. I'm a project manager and I, I have a team of, of five that report to me and I'm a great manager I mean, she was, I feel like I I care about my people. I want to protect them. And there was a position that came open for me to get a promotion so that I could be a a divisional vice president, which would allow me to to be even more protective of, of my team. When that position came up, I applied and I didn't get it. The person who got the job, I feel like is not as qualified as me. And she's like, why did that happen? And just from talking to her, I could tell that part of her personality was was more like yours. She was caring about her team. She was not necessarily comfortable being assertive. She was certainly not comfortable self-advocating and, and saying how amazing she was and why she deserved that promotion. And I asked her, I said, are you somebody that is more more interested in putting your head down and working hard and hope you get noticed versus being willing to stand up for yourself and say, here's why I deserve it? She said, that's absolutely the case. I said that the person who was making that hiring decision probably had a different personality in that they are seeking positions by winning them. And when the person who applied that got the job had the personality similar to theirs and self-advocated and said, here's why I deserve it, here's what I'm going to do, they heard it and overlooked you. Because you were unwilling to get uncomfortable and speak up and self-advocate, somebody less qualified, got the job. This, to me, is an example of how we need to sometimes get uncomfortable and work on our weaknesses so that we can get the results that we want to have. Well, I think you make a really important point here, Spencer, which is, uh, all right, well, number one, you need to have some awareness of your strengths and your weaknesses in order to, to chart a path forward whether you want to just focus on your strengths or whether you also want to focus on weaknesses. But then after that, so, so now, now that you've made this person aware, the, uh, the project manager aware, you know, then she has a decision to make. Am I going to do things or am I going to make changes? Uh, I'm going to learn new skills that are going to allow me to, to handle the next situation more effectively. And I think this is where, uh, identifying and accepting that there are weaknesses and then charting a path forward is so important because if you don't, other people will exploit it. As you mentioned in the, in the uh, article about Shaquille O'Neal, because his free throw shooting percentage was so low, other teams started exploiting this weakness, right? So in order for him to, to, you know, prevent other people from damaging his team he knew that he needed to, he needed to f- to fix this skill for the project manager 
in order for her to prevent other people from exploiting her weakness, she has to do something to, to work on it. Otherwise, you just accept, I'm not going to get promoted and I'm just going to stay content at this particular level and this kind of role. And if you want to do that, that's totally fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But for her, from what I'm gathering, from what you're saying, she was unhappy about it. She was, she really she was frustrated. Like she was more qualified and yeah. she wanted this. That's right. Okay. If you want that, then that's, re that's going to require working on some weaknesses. I'm, I've, I faced the same, the same situation. And I think that's a great litmus test for leaders. If we see that other people, whether it's our subordinates, our peers, our competitors, whoever it is, if they are exploiting a weakness, then we have to make a decision. Am I okay with that? And if I am, all right, fine. But if not, then I need to do something about it. And that means making a change. I pressed the wrong button. I wanted a different sound. I'm going to do that again. That's better. <laughs> See, that was a weakness. I, I'm, I'm trying to get better at, at, at doing this, and hopefully I'm getting better. But just press the wrong button. Hey, that's another great example, though, Spencer. What happened with COVID? Yeah. Everybody in your profession, just it just stopped. Right. And... And if you wanted to be successful, you had to learn how to do things virtually. Yeah. You, you acquired skills that you never thought you could acquire. Look at you pushing all these buttons with multiple <laughs> monitors and multiple cameras. Yeah, and, it's, and it's hard and for me. It's not necessarily a, a strength, but I've learned how to do it. And am I as good as somebody who does this full time? No. And as a matter of fact, you should tell that story. Uh, I actually w w missed you in, in Lebanon because you were going to tell this story about why the International Olympic Committee hired you as a consultant. What did you do that, that caused them to, to, to keep you on board that you didn't necessarily have a strength in? Well, just to give a little context, and I'll try not to make it too long. Uh, so the work <laughs> with the International Olympic Committee uh, encompassed interviewing uh, the, the people, the boots on the ground who organize the plan and deliver what ostensibly is the world's most complex and largest peacetime event, the, the Olympic Games. Uh, to, to conduct these interviews, uh, you ideally needed to have a certain set of skills. And one day I was having a conversation with my counterpart in the IOC, and uh, he said to me, Christian, uh, you have a very rare combination of skills that really makes you for all intents and purposes, irreplaceable. Uh, number one, uh, you have a very deep knowledge of the Olympic Games and the movement, uh, which came from working in the movement for two decades. Number two, you have a, a high level of technical skill that's needed to record and edit and uh, curate and publish all of this content and then and, you know manage the simultaneous interpretation and all this other stuff. And then the third part was having the interpersonal skills needed to actually help people feel comfortable in an interview setting. Most of them have never done that before, have never been interviewed on camera. 
And so, you know, having these kinds of interpersonal skills that make people feel comfortable to, to share their experiences with you is really, really important. And it's hard to find someone who has all three of these skills, but you have them. And as I was telling you this story, Spencer, I pointed out that when the opportunity arose to do this work with the, with the IOC, I only had one of those three skills, which was the knowledge, the gains knowledge. I had never interviewed anybody really in my life on camera. And I didn't know how to set up lighting, you know, three point lighting or cameras and, and edit video and all this kind of stuff. But I learned, I, I, I learned how to do it. I sat down, I watched YouTube videos, I practiced, I figured out how to do it. And by doing that, I actually made myself pretty much irreplaceable to the International Olympic Committee. So, but it was really because I was willing to acquire new skills. When you started doing it, how good were you at interviewing and doing all the technology? Uh, you know, I, I, I had some technology background, so I'm not afraid of technology by any means. Uh, you know, I've, I've worked in technology for most of my life, but I had not worked with this video technology and things like that. So I had to do a lot of practice. I, I set up things in my living room. I put my kids in a chair. I practiced answering, uh, asking them questions. I looked at the lighting. I'm like, okay, we need to fix this. We need okay, well, how are we going to handle the sound? You know, I, I, I monkeyed around with all kinds my, of different. My, my point is, is you had to get I a little uncomfortable. I had to practice it. Yes, a lot, right, in order and, to get comfortable. And if we're not willing to get uncomfortable from time to time, then we're not going to have as many opportunities for promotions, for uh, improved business opportunities or just getting our team to, to work well together. I, I, I just, I, I feel so passionate about this. There's, I just want to share one last story. And that is we had on the show, Scott Hamilton, who was a Olympic world, uh, dominant skater, figure skater from 1981 to 1984, won gold medals in the, in the but what was interesting is in his story, and you can read it in the article, that he was kind of mediocre, you know, in the U.S., and then he had some motivation because of his mother's illness and, and cancer that got him refocused. But he was maybe fifth in the world uh, after really working hard, and one day woke up because three of the the, the you know the gold medal, the silver medal, and the and the bronze medalist basically retired, went pro or uh, pursued a different profession. So he was number two. But in order to be number one, the thing that he had to embrace was the number one skater was strong in compulsory figures, which was Scott's weakest area. So he decided, he said, I hated compulsory figures and they hated me back to quote him, right? And so he decided to change that mindset and embrace the compulsory figures. Now he wasn't as good as the number one, but he became second or third in the world in compulsory figures. And it was strong enough that it would prevent that it allowed him to use his other strengths to win the championship. And one of the things he always says to his kids, what's the greatest strength? Lack of weakness. And so it runs a little bit, flies in the face of what, you know, some of the, the popular uh, you know, mentality is, is that we just focus on our strengths. And, and I think it's so popular today because people are tired, they're exhausted. And, and, and if we just work on our strengths, it's kind of like, let's give them candy. 
the challenge is, is that if you say that people are can't change, they just become more of who they are, then why try to get better? Why try to overcome some of the challenges that may be holding you back? Because the philosophy is, is if I just work on my driver, my putter's going to get better. And to me, that's that's that is false. And I think we are setting ourselves up for for failure. So so what do we do about it? Let's let's talk about that as we uh, as we wrap up the day. How's that? Let's do it. So the, 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 the question I ask in my article is, how do you work on your strengths without draining your motivation and energy? And you have to be careful uh, about that because I, you know, I want people to be energized and, and excited. And I do believe that overcoming obstacles, like Martin Seligman, the, the psychologist, also believes in utilizing our strengths, but he also says there needs to be a uh, you, you need to have wins, right? And and for me, just using my strengths doesn't necessarily always bring those those wins. But overcoming a, a, a challenge or a difficulty, climbing a mountain for me is the metaphor I like to use. Uh, it's it's actually our part of our logo, a mountain, and and you know it takes effort to climb that mountain. But when you're up there, you know the feeling of euphoria is great. Just conquering something that I'm already good at doesn't really bring me much satisfaction. So identify, first of all, what are your strengths and what are the areas that may be blind spots? And sometimes you need someone outside, like your your missionary companion that said, hey, dude, tone it down a little bit. So sometimes it's good to have an outside perspective. So in the in the article, I actually put a link to the ProScan survey, which I believe is one of the, the best in the world. And that's not just opinion, it's a uh, you know, confirmatory factor analysis. It's scientifically validated. I mean, it's a, it's an incredible tool. So we can we can identify your behavioral and uh, strengths, and and many of those correlate to different industries that you may excel in naturally. But it doesn't necessarily mean you have a, a a barrier to do something if the motivation is great to do something else. Like I've seen. Uh, an accountant that runs an accounting firm that has a great sales profile, but not the quote unquote typical accounting profile. So if the right motivation, you can be highly successful. Since I wrote this yesterday, I've had already four people take the the, the survey. And if you want to do that, I'll give you the demo version. You just have to be willing to to talk to me and review that, first of all, to make sure that the results are accurate. There's no, there's no commitment, but it, it will definitely spark your interest. That's number one. Number two, Understand that you don't have to be an expert at your weaknesses. I think we've talked about that. My suggestion is is just focus on getting incrementally better. If I could be, you know, three to five percent better at at accepting feedback, well, immediately my team is going to notice a difference. <laughs> um, you know, if I rate myself on one of these these poor traits, like controlling versus power, empowering. If I want to be more empowering, and right now I rate myself as a three out of 10, man, if I just get to four, immediately my team benefits. Then I can work on maybe getting to five. Now, I may never get to a 10, but I can I can start getting better at that. And in, instead of thinking, all right, here's where I am and here's where I need to be, that's a big gap, right? 
focus on getting here just to the just to the next level and when you do that it it, it makes it first of all mentally more uh, plausible and then you can celebrate that success as you get a little bit better um, that leads me to the third thing prepare mentally and physically to work on the weakness because it's going to take energy so for example if somebody who is naturally not outgoing and and friendly you know not not, not friendly they're, they're friendly but they're just they don't are not naturally garrulous or gregarious and and maybe you have to to go to networking events for your job uh understand that when you come home from that networking event you're going to need a nap and prepare for that <laughs> give yourself a break and and recognize that you're going to need some time to recover and then it's going to take some energy and so plan for that i just have been talking here any any thoughts so far about what i'm saying well, I think that last part, uh, point is really, really important. Uh, I certainly fall in that category. We'll be at this event uh, later this week. Right. Me and trade shows, uh, that's, not my, that's not my jam, right? I, I, it's not something that I look forward to. I'm an introvert. I don't necessarily seek out opportunities to talk to other people. <laughs> historically i have avoided those things because i enjoy just doing things head down and i will interact with people when necessary but in order for uh, the company to be successful i have to step outside of my comfort zone and do this now am i as good at a trade show as my marketing guy no because he's I mean, he, he seems like he was born for that and he, it's very natural for him and do i have to like it no i mean i it's okay to say, you know what, I, it's not something that I really enjoy doing, but am I getting better at it? Yes, I'm getting better at it. With practice, I'm getting, I'm getting better at it. I'll, I'll never be the, the, the sales guy, the marketing guy that's out there, you know, glad handing. I don't mean that in a derogatory way. But if you, if you just got to people, but, but if I can just do it a little bit better than I did it in the past, that that's a big help for our, that could be a whole new income bracket. Three to five percent improvement could make a you know a, a huge difference in your bottom line. And so that's that's a great example. And so knowing that it, working on those weaknesses takes energy, only work on one or two. Be very very focused. Be very specific. And and so prioritize them. What is the what I always start with? What is the one thing that is your Achilles heel that you get feedback on all the time that people are frustrated with you about? That's the one thing that I would work on, and again, just incrementally better. So, number four, give yourself some grace when you fail. Note that you it's going to happen, but what happens is we judge ourselves too much. And so when we struggle with a behavior, instead of saying, oh, I, you know, I, I'm not doing very well, I can't do this, be curious and start to ask, why was it hard for me? What were the circumstances about that? And you start to, 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 to learn more about yourself and how you respond. And that awareness is very, very powerful. So change that self-judgment, which can cause us to, to lose confidence into curiosity and understanding and, and know that anybody with your natural traits will struggle with with those behaviors and so that helps you to, to mentally give yourself a little bit of a pass i think that's a uh, very very sound advice those four points and 
I'm, I'm eager to start working on identifying and, and improving on some of my weaknesses. It's often helpful if you've got someone to assist you along the way rather than trying to do it yourself. And you've helped so many people and so many organizations over the years to do just that. So Spencer, if people want to, to learn more about how they can uh, you know, improve uh, their, their weaknesses, uh, not getting it from a three to a 10, but maybe to a five or a four, you know, what's the best way for them to reach out and, and get in touch with you? You know, reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm getting a lot of people doing that these days, which is great. Spencer Horn on LinkedIn. Altium Leadership is uh, is our company. So altiumleadership.com is our website. That's A-L-T-I-U-M. And, you know, last thing I would say is that when you have a success, like when you got that, that, that contract with the IOC because of those, you know, things that you did to get uncomfortable, celebrate reward yourself for even small wins and and do something that energizes you right because you you're going to have to spend some time getting uncomfortable so make that more comfortable by by doing something that is a reward for yourself and so christian with your amazing consulting services and everything you're doing with Recanto to help businesses tell the stories of their success and and getting more buy-in how do people find you <laughs> hit the mute button there linkedin uh, is great so just look up christian napier on linkedin you'll find me uh founder and ceo of raconto and uh you can also go to our website raconto.io it's r-a-k-o-n-t-o dot i-o Spencer, another really super engaging, informative, educational conversation and inspiring, uh, quite frankly. I really appreciate it. Listeners, we appreciate you. Please like and subscribe to our podcast and we'll catch you again soon.